All right, if you take God's Word tonight, turn the book of Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Jonathan, would you lock that door for us, please? Would you mind locking that door? Thank you. God willing, we'll be expounding verse 23 tonight. Proverbs 5, 23. The title of the message tonight is Ravished by a Rebel. Ravished by a rebel. God willing, we'll be finishing up chapter 5 tonight. As Solomon closed out his teaching, Miss Tammy, look at there. I was wondering if I remember to put my water in my bag tonight, and I checked and I did. Solomon is closing out. Uh, his teaching on our need to be faithful to our spouses. Well, I tell you what, I really appreciated that question I got from one of our church members, wanting to be a good spouse. I really appreciate that. Whether husband or wife, I really appreciate the heart of our precious church members. Last week, Solomon reminded us that our sins cannot escape the eyes of God. He sees all the sinful actions that we commit. And Solomon said our sins, which we thought would set us free from God's restrictions, will ultimately bind us by our infractions of His Word. Speaking of the man who disregards God's Word and remains unfaithful to his wife, Solomon said in verse 23, He shall die without instruction. He shall die... Without instruction. Every man is going to die. But to die without instruction is a dreadful thing. God designed us to be led by His Spirit. His law originally was supposed to be written in our hearts. But when Adam chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he forfeited our God-given right to be led by God's Spirit, choosing instead for us to be led by our own imagination. And for this reason, we're all born with the need of obtaining God's instruction. Had Adam chosen to eat from the tree of life, then we would have no need to be born again. Isn't that nice? There would have been no need to be born again. We would have had no need for a new birth because there wouldn't have been anything wrong with our first birth. But because of the choice Adam made, our father, we his children, are born into a world darkened by sin. We are born in need of God's instruction, God's light. Solomon said the the person who refuses to heed his warnings about sexual immorality in this chapter will die without instruction. And to die without instruction is to die without receiving the much needed wisdom of God. Hell is full of people today who died without instruction. Not that they were never told anything, but that they rejected the instruction they were given. Whether the instruction of creation or the instruction of inspiration in God's Word, they died having refused that instruction. Solomon has been speaking about adultery 
And we need to understand that adultery does not send people to hell. King David committed adultery. But we know from the scriptures, King David did not go to hell. Solomon, who wrote these Proverbs, was the son of King David. And he was a son of King David as the result of an adulterous relationship that his dad had with Bathsheba. Was Solomon saying that his father David died without instruction? Absolutely not. David wrote the Psalms. David was a man of God. The Bible's clear that David was a man after God's own heart who had eternal life. So what's the difference then between the people that Solomon is writing about who commit adultery and the people like his father David? Well, here's the difference. When David was rebuked by God for his actions of committing adultery and the things that transpired from that through Nathan the prophet, this is what David did. David, number one, he confessed his sins. Number two, he admitted his wrong. Number three, he glorified his God. He confessed his sins, admitted that he was wrong. He glorified his God. King David committed his sin, but he received God's instruction. King David was not a rebel. King David did not reject the word of God. He loved the word of God. He wrote much of the word of God, again, in the book of Psalms. But being a fallen man, like the rest of us, he occasionally sinned against the word that he even helped write. But here's the difference. When David was confronted about his sin, whether he was confronted by uh, a, 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 an esteemed prophet uh, like Nathan, or whether he was confronted by a lowly uh, a woman, uh, and, uh, and all, he would humble himself like a servant to whoever was confronting him about his sin, and he would receive the instruction of the Lord. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 51, please. Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 was written by King David. A man who committed adultery, not an adulterer, because he received instruction, but someone who had been guilty of adultery. Psalm 51, and he wrote this psalm after Nathan the prophet had confronted him about his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. The instructions in the psalm, the instructions in the psalm, I apologize to me, uh, read this way. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Now listen to the words of David's heart as he pins uh, the words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in this passage. In verse 1 he says, quote, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. In other words, I'm thinking about it all the time. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, 
that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. David acknowledged his sin. He desired to be cleansed completely of the sins he committed and, and essentially told God, God, you're right, and I was very wrong. That's a man who received instruction. By writing this as a psalm, David wasn't simply praying to God. He was letting the world know. Here we are reading it now, 2,000 years, uh, more than 2,000 years later. And uh, he's letting it, the world know, hey, listen, everybody. God was right. I was wrong. As a king, David could have ordered Nathan to have been put into prison. He could have, like John the Baptist, ordered that his head be cut off or something. But David loved God. He, he feared the Lord. He would have never harmed his messenger. So he humbled himself, took the shame and the embarrassment, and said, Hey, God was right. I did wrong. 2 Samuel chapter 25, 2 Samuel chapter 25, verse 32 tells us about the response that David had before he was king, completely king at least, uh, toward a, a woman named Abigail. Abigail. And one day King David, before again he was, his throne was fully established, he, he was out with his soldiers and he was about to slay a group of people after uh, his army was denied provisions by a particular man. While he was on his way to slay that group of people and take vengeance out on them, a young woman named Abigail confronted David, the future king, who was a celebrated war hero. And she gracefully rebuked David for what he was about to do. And instead of telling Abigail, out of my way, woman, before mine horses trample thee, you know, Instead of saying, who are you to talk to the future king? I'm David. I'm the one that slew Goliath out of my way. Instead of ordering Abigail to be killed herself, David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice. Here he is, taking advice from a woman. A man's wise enough to be king, and he's taking advice from this lowly woman. He says, And blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. What an humble man. David did wrong, but he was willing to receive instruction. The reason I'm saying this is, there may be people here tonight. There may be people watching online. I don't know all of y'all's past. I don't need to know your past. But I know this. I know we live in a fallen world. And there may be people listening tonight who think, man, I'm guilty of marital infidelity. I'm guilty of having done A, B, C, and D. The very things that Solomon is talking about, I'm guilty I don't want to fall into this category of dying without instruction and, and, and uh, being condemned for my sin and me, fitting into to this slot of people. The Bible never condemns the sinner that receives instruction. 
the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the ultimate instruction that we need is to realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And David, uh, again, he accepted his wrong. A, a lot of people, uh, if you feel guilty about the sin you committed, if you don't feel guilty about it, then you've, you've got a problem. But if you, if you realize you're wrong, if you've committed that sin, and, and, and you know, there's people that, that uh, come to a place like, God, I, I wish so much I could go back in time and relive that part of my life over again and not do what I did, but I can't. I can't take it back. I wish I could, but I can't. I realize I was wrong. And forgive me. And, and, and just like David did here in this psalm, that's basically what David was doing. Lord, I sinned against you. It's on my mind all the time. Wash me from this sin. Forgive me. I sinned against you. I was wrong. You know, why did David write a passage of Scripture like that in the Bible? Because God knew people like us would do like David. And He knew we would need the relief in our hearts to know that we're forgiven and God has accepted us. David could not have written the psalm under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Had he not received the instruction of God. You think God's going to use a man to write the Bible who has no instruction? This is instruction. It's the word of God. Jesus quoted from David's Psalms as scripture. That'll tell you something right there. So you can't go wrong following the example of the psalm we just read. That should clear a lot of consciences, I hope. But what an incredible display of humility. Like all of us, David did wrong, but he, he didn't want to be wrong. When my wife and I were first married, I told her, if I do wrong, let me know, and by God's grace, I'll correct it immediately. I don't want to go to bed knowing I've done somebody wrong. I, I don't want to do it. And, uh, and sometimes I get so frustrated. Y'all ever get frustrated with yourself? I get so frustrated with myself. Sometimes I think, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I act or respond that way? Oh, Richard, <laughs> you know. If, if I do wrong, I want to fix it. If I, if I sin, I want to acknowledge it. I don't want to reject God's Word. I want to, to know it and I want to live by it. King David died like every other sinner, but he didn't die without instruction because he was a man who received it. When Solomon says this adulterer will die without instruction, Solomon is not saying, listen carefully now, Solomon is not saying that sin will cause you to die without instruction. He's saying the failure to receive instruction will cause you to live a life of sin. I'm going to say that again. Sin will not cause you to die without instruction. But failing to receive instruction will cause you to live and die. The life of sin. And to die in your sin without being instructed by the Word of God is to die without being saved by the Word of God. At some point in a person's life, 
they must realize that they are a sinner. They are a transgressor of God's Word, and they are in need of a Savior. If there was one thing David knew, he knew he was a sinner in need of the promised Savior. He wrote about the promised Savior in the Psalms. People must come to the place in life where they realize that sin is a disease of the human heart that we need to be delivered from. We must realize that God's Word is light to us who were born in darkness. Only a fool will not allow himself to be corrected by the Word of God. A man who rejects God's instruction is like a blind man who thinks he can see better than his ophthalmologist, so he refuses to be treated by him. Can you imagine that? My wife and I go for a doctor's appointment, ophthalmologist appointment every year, have her eyes checked out real good and everything. Can you imagine a, a blind man? He's trying to be treated by a doctor, and maybe get some healing. He says, oh, I, I don't need all that. I can see more than you. I can see better than you. And he just refuses the treatment. But if people refuse God's light, if they will not accept God's instruction, then they'll die without it. Because they've turned their hearts away from a God that loves them and closed up their ears to His Word. Solomon said, He shall die without instruction, having never known their sin and thus having never known their Savior who died for that sin. And because they never knew God's instruction, Jesus will have never known them. That's why He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Look back in your text. Jesus will have never known them. Look back in your text. And in the greatness of His folly, He shall go astray. Now take your pens, please, and underscore, he shall go astray. He shall go astray. And when you're through underlining that, look back in verse 19 in this chapter, please. In speaking of a man's wife, Solomon tells husbands, Let her be as the loving hind in pleasant row. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times, and be thou, if you haven't underscore the word, ravished. Underscore the word ravished. Be thou ravished always with her love. Now the Hebrew word translated ravished in verse 19 is the same Hebrew word translated he shall go astray here in verse 23. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Verse 19, ravished, be ravished with your wife's love. Verse 23, those who cheat on their wives, refuse God's instruction, live the life of, of an infidel... He shall go astray. Same word. The word is shagah. Shagah. So let's, let's do this. Let's take the first translation here in verse 19. Since it's the same word, uh, shagah in verse 19, shagah in 23. Let's take the first translation of the word shagah in verse 19, which is ravished, and let's pull out, he shall go astray, that translation, and substitute it with the one word ravished. And we'll use ravished in both places. Okay? And I think this may help us understand what he's saying here. 
If you do this, the verse reads this way. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, ravished. You see what's happening here? Instead of being ravished in the love of his wife, he shall be ravished in the greatness of his folly. Make sense? Ravished in the greatness of his foolishness. Now, to be ravished, remember uh, how I uh, described uh, ravished last Wednesday? Remember the, the cartoon where the person turns into a thermometer and it comes up and it bursts? To be ravished, it, it means to know no bounds. It, it, it's not held back by the bounds of the thermometer. It pops out. To be ravished means to know no bounds. Which is why they tried translating this, go astray. Because you have bounds, and then when you go astray, you leave, those, you leave that boundary. Make sense? And, and so, uh, but, but if we use the word ravished in both places, I, and, and I think the, the translation is a little unfortunate here, because not translating it the same in both places causes us to see, uh, or not be able to see, the harmony of the verses. Again, to be ravished means to know no bounds. So uh, instead of being uh, lost in the delightfulness of God's wisdom, he shall be forever lost in the foolishness of his own sinful heart. When I was a boy, my, my mother hosted a dinner. I assume they're watching tonight. I, I believe they probably are. Uh, but she hosted a dinner for uh, several young people from our church there at our house in Athens and it was summertime and and the young people were sitting outside I was I was young I didn't fit into the youth group uh, but I enjoyed hanging out and listening to them and watching them have a good time but the young people were sitting outside on our patio enjoying a meal together my mother had fixed some sweet tea and uh, one particular young man took a sip of that tea and he goes wow this is good and I remember him saying this. I remember where I was. I remember it clear as day. I remember him saying to those young people, I wish I had a whole swimming pool full of this tea and I could just stick my face in it and drink it. I remember him saying that. Mama, I wonder if you remember. That was James Threat, by the way. He's a Baptist preacher now. But I remember him saying that. Do you know what he was saying when he said that? He was saying that he wanted to know no bounds in his delight of my mother's tea. He wanted to be ravished with a tea. Not a glass of tea. Oh, swimming pool of tea. That way he could drink and drink and drink to his heart's content till his belly is about to pop and he's still got tea left over. No bounds. He wanted to know no bounds in the delight of my mother's iced tea. He wanted to be ravished with it. That's how God tells us to enjoy our wives. This is what's neat about God's commands. When God gives us a command, He says, go for it. When God gives us a command and says, this is the what I have given you, now I want you to enjoy it with no boundaries. No limit to the grace that I give you in this area. 
I put up no boundaries for your love for your wife. He says, go ahead, I gave her to you. I put no boundaries up for your love for her. Be ravished with it like a pool full of sweet tea. Drink your wife's love to your heart's content. Here's a kingdom truth. God's Word never limits God's grace. God's Word never limits God's grace. I, I could, if I love my wife, and, and, and I tell you, I'm crazy about my wife. I am. I'm crazy about her. My wife tells me all the time, God just bonked you on the head. But, but because God gave her to me, because that is God's gift to me, God will never say, Nuh-uh, Richard, now you're loving her too much. God gave me the gift of evangelism. Man, I tell you what, if there's anything that I love more than coming home and seeing my wife, it's seeing someone come home to Jesus after they hear the gospel. And because God gave that gift to me, He'll never say, No, 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 Richard, now. You're sharing it too much. You're enraptured. You're enjoying it too much. You're getting too big of a thrill out of seeing people come to Jesus. Never. God's Word never limits God's grace. As long as I am walking in the Word of God, I can enjoy the limitless boundaries of the grace of God. Man, that's worth writing home about right there. God told Adam, of all the trees of the garden you may freely eat. Right then he's saying, there's my word, freely eat of all the trees you want. My word has no limit on my grace. You want to eat till you, you're about to pop of a pear tree, eat it. You like pomegranates and you want to eat them till they run out your nose, eat them. It's when he went astray. It's when he went outside God's word. That he left the boundaries of God's grace. God was essentially telling Adam. You see all these trees in the garden? Be thou ravished with them. Be thou ravished with them. Enjoy them. God wants us to enjoy what he gives us. But if a man rejects God's instruction, then he won't be ravished with God's grace. He'll be ravished with his sins. In the greatness of his folly, he shall be ravished. Instead of a pool filled with God's grace, there shall be one filled with God's fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you want to know why life is eternal because it's a gift of God's grace. We can be ravished with the life He gave us. It never ends. It's eternal. You want to know why death is eternal? Because they were not ravished with the word of life, they'll be ravished without it. Death without the word. You're going to be ravished in one thing or another. You'll either know the boundlessness 
of God's wonderful grace according to His Word, or you'll reject His Word and know the boundlessness of living and dying without it. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for they shall know no bounds to God's wrath as they drink of their own foolish ways forever and forever and forever. I tell you what, that's enough for me to want to come to the tree of life at the cross. Acknowledge my sin. Receive God's instruction. And embrace Jesus. As my one and only hope for salvation. Then I can be ravished. In the good word of God. Which puts no limit. On the grace of God. With that we'll go ahead and close tonight. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. I thank you so much how it flows. I thank you for the wisdom that it strikes upon our hearts. I thank you for the incredible instruction you give us, Lord. Help us to not be those type of people that shut the doors of our heart, that turn a deaf ear to your word, that say, I don't need that. Help us, Lord, to always be like David. Though we may be a bumbling mess sometimes. Though we may make some big, big mistakes in life sometimes. I thank you that we can always humble ourselves. Receive your instruction. And then walk in it. Knowing that we are cleansed through the grace of Jesus Christ, your Son. I pray if there have been you here tonight, Father, who have held on to that guilt for so long in their hearts and beat themselves up for many years perhaps, I pray, Father God, that they will enjoy the freedom of knowing that at the cross that sin has been forever washed away. And I ask it in Jesus' precious name.